When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes. Long Cat Media presents Madame Magenta, Sonos Mystica. Chapter 9. Long one, this one. Greetings, fans of the esoteric. Uh, now, I'm assuming you're all up to date with this, so I'm not going to go on about who I am or anything. And I am going to shock you, my loyal listeners. I can't face another cocktail. I know. The prison hooch, it just, it almost broke me. And far from it smoothing out my lines and wrinkles, I look like shit. I do. So I'm hydrating today in the hope of reversing the damage. Although it's rather like moisturizing a raisin and expecting it to turn back into a grape, but never mind. I'm hydrating today with orange squash because water is disgusting. And my kidneys, to be honest, my kidneys are so unused to it, it just doesn't work. Honestly, if I drink water, I evict a greater volume out the other end. Because it goes straight through and it takes some of my existing moisture with it. Water is terribly dehydrating. And that's just science, I'm afraid. How are you today, Bernard? Um, a little bit sore-headed, but uh, in good spirits. Good, good. Right, here we go. So, on with the book. If you remember, my ex-husband has just apparated in the dining room. It might be a little distressing for you again, Bernard. Well, yeah. Brace yourself. All right, here we go. Musical flourish. I just remembered I left the oven on, I tell my alarmed family. Oh, do you think they're going to understand? Should I... If, if they've binged this, they'll understand where this is going on from. It did, it did rather jump in that That was bit, a bit abrupt, it? wasn't it? Yes, yes. Do you want to explain the context again? All right, so we're in the dining room and uh, uh, Bernard's there, uh, Lindsay, my daughter, Dave, my terrier, and Derek, my ex-husband, has just apparated right in front of me and I've just screamed the bloody roof off. Right, here we go. I'm fine! I just remembered I left the oven on! I tell my alarmed family, a hysterical note in my voice. Let me go turn it off! I run into the kitchen and actually bend over to check the oven, even though no one is watching and I know it's not on. I straighten up and wait. Surely he'll follow me into the kitchen. Derek, I hiss. Where the hell is he? I'm here, he says, apparating by the kitchen table. Magenta, my love! My breath comes in shallow, panicked pants as he walk floats towards me, smiling like a car salesman. He looks quite solid, more so than Todd or any other ghost I've ever seen. There's colour in his face, and his eyes are focused on this plane, far more even than Sandra's gran. It's extremely disconcerting. 
If it wasn't for the shimmery veil effect and the fact he's hovering about four inches off the ground, you wouldn't know he was a ghost. What do you want? I whisper furiously. A fierce gust of wind suddenly whistles through the trees outside, the branches tapping on the kitchen window, an owl hoots in the distance. How apt. He's brought his own soundtrack, I see. Magenta? Bernard's concerned voice calling from the other room. Is everything all right? Fine, I bellow. I'm just sorting out dessert. I go and grab some ice cream from the freezer and four bowls. There's no time to chat right now, Derek, I hiss, scooping ferociously. You'll have to go away. Come back when my family aren't here. But Magenta, darling, we haven't seen each other for years. Derek's smile drops, a forlorn look on his face. I was hoping to catch up, maybe meet your daughter, Derek tails off. No! I shriek whisper. I'm sorry, Derek, but you can't stay. I can't talk to you while they're here. Why not? Can't you just tell them? They must know that you're a medium. Although, Derek smiles wolfishly, you still look like a small to me. <laughs> that was an in-joke we had. It was a particularly silly in-joke because I'm a curvy six-footer. How we used to laugh. Not much, to be honest. Can't you tell them I've popped in for a chat? Derek continues. Oops, sorry. Can't you tell them I've popped in for a chat? Derek continues, eyes wide with no doubt feigned innocence. I find myself slipping back into the familiar sensation of not remotely trusting him. Bernard knows I'm a medium. He found out when I told him about Todd on his arrival in 92, because I didn't think it was fair to keep him in the dark about the new house guest. Before that, I'd somehow never got round to telling him I could genuinely communicate with ghosts. He was under the impression that my job was all smoke and mirrors, and obviously it is. But perversely, that doesn't preclude the existence of ghosts. He went very quiet when I told him about Todd, and then asked a few questions, and after that, he never brought it up again. I'm not even sure to what extent Bernard believes me, but regardless, I've always been happy to not talk about it. As for Lindsay, my daughter, I kept a very close eye on her around puberty and made a point of telling her that if anything peculiar was happening to you, you can talk to me. Tell me if you experience anything strange and disturbing at this time, I will help you through it. Okay? I did this for a while until she turned on me and shouted, For God's sake, Mum, I'm not gay, all right? And I realized she couldn't see ghosts. Anyway, I didn't tell her about my gift because I didn't see any point in freaking her out. She already thinks I'm weird and embarrassing. There's no point compounding it. I'm not talking to you while they're here, Derek, I repeat tightly, refusing to look at his face, the face I haven't seen in so long. I put the four bowls of ice cream on a tray and head back towards the dining room. Bernard and Lindsay are still sat at their places, looking worried. Ice cream, I trill, and then see that everyone's plates are still full of chicken and spuds. Oops, bit premature. I'll put these back in the freezer. We can have them later. I trot back into the kitchen, where Derek is still floating, wry amusement now dancing across his features. You know, I caught him practicing this look in the mirror once. It's one of his less attractive habits. He stage manages his reactions to people, as if he doesn't truly understand real emotions. The wry amusement look was employed when he wanted me to feel like a flustered twat, benignly humoured by the kindly, manly hero. Oh, God! How annoying! I've flustered you, he smarms. Of course you haven't, I shout whisper, putting the ice creams in the freezer. 
I haven't seen you in over two decades, Derek. You turn up here out of the blue after I've had a ridiculous day of God knows what. Who are you talking to, interrupts Bernard, startling me as he enters the kitchen. He's a quiet mover for a big man. I meant that in a good way, Bernard. It's just a lot of references. No, 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 never mind, just, just carry Don't on. let your own neuroses interfere with this. Right. Sod it, I'm going to tell him, I think impulsively. I can't be doing with subterfuge. Derek is standing over there. I gesture at what will look like empty space to Bernard. Do you remember this, Bernard? Yes, I do. Like it was yesterday. Yes, very distressing for you, wasn't it? Mm. But at least life with me is never dull, eh? Uh, certainly not. I continue. Derek, my ex-husband, your ex-colleague, I say when he looks blank, about six foot four, brown hair, had a look of Chris de Berg. You know, Derek. Something starts to dawn on Bernard's face. I continue. He turned up ten minutes ago in the dining room. That's why I leapt out of my chair. I didn't tell you because I was rather taken aback. Just going to have some orange squash, Bernard. My mouth's all dry. You know what? This doesn't happen on cocktails. No. Well, you're right. It is all the water to, it's being sucked out of you My by the other water. My not used to it. Yes. It's terrible. Well, we all suffer. There's a short silence while Bernard turns a queasy shade of pale. Derek, he eventually splutters. What do you mean, Derek? His ghost. I nod. Derek. You mean Derek. As in... Derek. I nod again. He's here. Why? He croaks, eyes boggling, glance flicking between my face and where I indicated Derek was. Good question. I turn to my dead ex. What are you doing here? Derek is having a good look at Bernard. I don't like his expression. Living Derek didn't have much respect for Bernard. Bernard was somewhat quiet and self-contained in those days. Not like now, eh, Bernard? He's an absolute firecracker now. And Derek mistook it for weakness. Derek wasn't actively unpleasant to him, but he used to speak very dismissively of him. And now he's looking at the older, podgier version as if he's sizing him up. Are you all right, Bernard? Yeah, I'll, I'll be all right. Funny little Bernard, Derek says, shaking his head and chuckling. He turns to me. I have to say, Mags, I couldn't believe my ears when I heard you two had hooked up. I never knew you fancied him. I remain silent, wondering where this is going. And then he surprises me by smiling and saying, I'm glad you two deserve to be happy. Well, thank you, I say cautiously. I'm still uneasy, but I'm starting to think that maybe I could cut Derek some slack. A slight feeling of shame tickles my ring piece. You know, I once posted a status on Facebook and Twitter. Remember this? Asking who else experienced physical sensations of embarrassment and shame in their bumhole. Do you remember that? Oh, that? yes, I do remember you posting. You were the only one who liked that post. Yeah. Absolutely no one else owned up to it. I can't be alone in this, surely. Maybe. You know what? I'll, I'll say no more, but I expect some furtive private messages of solidarity in the next few days, all right? Yes. Where can they send these furtive, silent private messages, oh, Bernard. Oh, yes, you can contact Magenta by going, by, by, by putting in Madame Magenta UK. Madame with an E. That's right. Fringe. Madame Magenta UK at gmail.com. And also you can send me uh, any questions about your life. If you're having any problems, because all my clients have dropped off because of this bloody pandemic. So I've got, I've got loads of time. So send me all your problems, okay? And I'll read them out. And then I'll tell you, I'll use fortune-telling techniques to tell you what 
what's what what you need to do. All right. Yes, sounds very exciting. It's a it's a rare opportunity. It is. You're normally quite expensive, aren't you? Very expensive. But for now, completely free, unless you'd like to subscribe to our Kofi Annan. Which is what's the what's the donation? Oh, uh, ko-fi.com forward slash longcatmedia. That's right. You can donate a couple of quid. You can spare it uh, to keep me going. All right. Anyway, back to the story. Where was I? I actually don't know. Oh yes, furtive feelings of shame in my bumhole. That's nice of you, Derek. I say before cutting to the chase. Now are you going to tell me why you're here? Derek laughs heartily. It's blatantly fake. He really needs to work on that one. I see, he says. Not, how are you, Derek? What have you been up to? I've missed you. Of course not. No time for niceties. Derek shakes his head and continues. But I'm being unfair. Why wouldn't you ask why I'm here? Why would you want to see poor old me? No one wants the ex hang round pissing on everyone's parade, do they? It's not that, I say, a tinge of shame rippling around my fourth eye. Obviously, it's incredible to see you again. It's, it's uh, wonderful. It's not. It's weird and disturbing. But there are so many things I don't understand about this. Derek, listen to me, I say, as he continues to nod and shake his head like a broken animatronic, as if amazed he could ever have thought we'd be pleased to see him. He's really milking this. My patience runs out. Try to see it from my point of view, I demand. I've never had a conversation with a ghost like we're having now. This isn't how ghosts behave. The way we're talking to each other, it's as if you're alive. Ghosts don't pop in to visit their families. They haunt places or objects, or they attach themselves to random strangers like Todd. They don't do whatever this is. You need to tell me what the hell is going on. I'm getting worked up. Bernard puts a supportive hand on my shoulder. I can feel it trembling through the cloth of my caftan. The sudden sound of angry, thumping footsteps approaching snaps us out of our intense menage a trois. Oh, crikey, Lindsay, I'd forgotten about her. What's going on, she demands, appearing in the kitchen doorway. She looks from me to Bernard, her little face puckered with concern and sullen irritation. Well, she is 16. She looks like this 90% of the time. Me and your father are having an argument, I improvise hastily, throwing Bernard's hand off my shoulder. It's nothing serious. It's about... Um... Uh, my imagination is not lending itself to possible argument scenarios right now. We hardly ever argue, do we, Bernard? No. So I'm having trouble thinking of what I can tell her. Six, Bernard says, once the silence stretches out a bit. Bernard! We're arguing about the sex, he says firmly. Dad, God, don't tell me that, Lindsay exclaims, disgusted. Oh, just keep it to yourselves, yeah? Jesus! Pretty good impression that, of a teenager. Though. That was rather clever of me, wasn't it? It was! Good thinking, Bernie. Yes, well done. Actually, that probably was what our last argument was about, wasn't it? I suppose it probably well, was. Well, it wasn't an argument. It was more a moment of sadness. Bernard had tried to have it off with me in the kitchen while Todd was there. And Bernard wasn't aware, and I'd stopped proceedings pretty sharpish. I didn't want to explain why, because the fact that Bernard never returned to the subject of Todd means I don't really feel able to mention him. So I just told him, uh, I told you to get off me, didn't I? Oh, yes, well... That's why communication is so important, Well, at least now I know, you see, I know. Yes, there we go. Yes, we communicate much better, don't we? We do. So sometimes when we're getting it on, and I'll go, Your grand's over there! 
just for a joke, actually. <laughs> but you think it, you think I'm telling the truth, don't you? Is, 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 you that, think... is that what's going on? Is yes. It... Well, you, you don't know, do you? I might be seeing your gran. And, and is it worth the risk? Exactly. Also, it's a wonderful excuse for me to get out of it. Bloody ghosts. Nothing but trouble. I've returned to the book now. Anyway, at the sound of Lindsay slamming shut her bedroom door, Bernard leaps into action. He moves away from where I'm standing, crabbing his way diagonally across the kitchen in an odd crouch, like he's in a movie about ninjas. He reaches the unit and stops before opening a cupboard and grabbing a vial of something. Derek and I watch him curiously. He's still stood over there, is he? By the kitchen table, Bernard whispers. Yes, I say, in a normal voice. Holy water, exclaims Bernard, holding up the vial. Oh, Bernard, how embarrassing. Bernie, you know that's not holy water, I say. It's tap water in a glass bottle, generally purchased as necklace pendants by goths. Bernard sags and looks at me helplessly. I turn back to Derek. Derek, you're upsetting Bernard. Just hurry up and bloody explain yourself. But Derek simply walk floats to the window, looking out into the dark and gusty night with a troubled sigh. A dog howls plaintively in the distance. Ooh, you know what, Bernard? We should have a sound effect there. What, a, a plaintive dog howl? Yes. Okay, cue plaintive dog howl. <coughs> there we go. Did I leave enough time? Yes, I'm sure. Right. Finally, Derek speaks. Good. I was about to go to bed and leave him there. It's hard to know where to start. I've been planning this for years, Magenta. This visit has been written in the stars for a long time. Derek fixes his faded brown eyes on a distant point. He sighs again, this time with such gusto that he disturbs his bouffant doux. A lock of dark curly hair flops onto his forehead. How has he managed that? Well, why are the laws of physics affecting him? Is the nonsense with the angels and Sharon's mum and the fortune-telling anything to do with you, I demand, and I assume it was you that Todd was talking about when he mentioned I'd be getting a visitor. Was it? And why? Why pass a message through Todd? Why didn't you just turn up? So many questions, Derek laughs, as impatient as ever magenta. He chuckles gently, sadness colouring the affectionate familiarity with which he mentions my foibles. All practised in front of the mirror, no doubt. Derek continues, the answer to your first question, my dear, is yes. What was the first question? What was my first question, I ask? About nonsense, Bernard supplies. You're a good listener, aren't you, Bernard? Yes, that's right. Yes, you've learned to be. He's doing well to keep up, seeing as he can only hear my half of this conversation. Oh, I say, that's right. So you're responsible for the nonsense with the ghosts and the angels and the fortune-telling. Yes, Derek snaps, that's what I said. Derek's kindly expression has turned rather abruptly into one of exasperation. I think I'm messing up the whole drama for him. And the answer to the second question, Derek hesitates when he clocks my confusion, which was about Todd announcing I was coming. I nod. Is that Todd is my helper, my assistant. I sent him to you in 1992 to keep an eye on you. I gape. You what? What's he saying? And what's this about angels and ghosts, Bernard demands. There's a lot of demanding tones tonight. It's fair to say we're all a bit tense. I'll explain later, Bernard. Suffice to say I've had a funny old day. And Derek is about to explain why. Go on. All right, Derek says. You're more attuned because I signed you up to the higher grade supernatural package. Your skills were far too weak. You needed a boost, so I arranged it. Derek boosts, eyes crinkling in self-congratulation, teeth bared in a wide grin. He's very pleased with himself. 
You are twice as powerful as you were because of me. You're welcome. How? Why? I look at my dead husband, his face at once so familiar and unfamiliar, his presence thrumming with mysterious energy. I haven't seen you in 20 years, and now you turn up out of nowhere and say you've given me special powers? Who, who on earth are you? And then I realize how ridiculously melodramatic that sounds, because in life you are just some burk, I conclude brusquely. Derek looks pissed off. The air temperature seems to drop a couple of degrees. More burk than this one, he says, indicating Bernard. Old Titty McBigboob standing there. It's really, it's really, really not very nice. I didn't say it. He said it. Don't blame me. It's an unflattering shirt, I shout. See, I was defending you. And it really was. Do you remember that nasty clinging polyester? The one that emphasises every lump and bump. Oh, gosh, yes. I did wear that a lot, didn't I? Yes. Mm. Yes, until we pointed it out. Derek snorts disdainfully and pulls out a chair at the kitchen table to sit down. Bernard squeaks and jumps about two foot in the air, and I realise it's because he's just seen a chair move on its own. So you're a poltergeist now, are you, I say? Although, to be frank, I don't trust the various ghost definitions anymore. Normal ghosts certainly can't move furniture. No, I'm just bloody powerful, Derek says pissily, crossing his legs. He doesn't even need to sit down. He's actually hovering about two inches off the seat. He's only doing it to impress us with his furniture-moving abilities. He continues... And that's because I have spent the last 20-odd years working my ass off, Magenta, slowly and painfully building my power. And why? I'll tell you why. So that I could visit you, and so that you could be attuned enough to speak to me. What do you think of that? There's a charged silence while we stare at each other. I'm finding it hard to believe he's been gagging to see me again, quite frankly. I ignore his question and choose to focus on the less personal elements of the statement. What do you mean, work? I croak. You've been working. How does one work in heaven? And I find I'm genuinely interested in the answer. Because if we ignore the uncomfortable idea that Derek has crossed time and space in the veils of death just to visit me, his grieving widow, then this whole thing really is rather intriguing. After 30 years of messing around with esoterica, I finally feel close to a genuine discovery. Derek juts his bottom lip out and glares petulantly at his fingernails. You can't even begin to understand, he sulks. I might, I say. What kind of work? Come on. Derek sighs forcefully. Oh, you know, painting sunbeams, knitting clouds, getting my grade eight harp. You're kidding, I exclaim. Yes, I am, he snaps. Look, I'm not going to go into detail. Of course he isn't. But it's been a long time in the heavenly gulag, Magenta. A long time. An effing long time. Something odd is happening to him. Derek doesn't look quite so laid back anymore. His fists are clenching and unclenching. His hair's gone all sticky-uppy and rigid-looking, like it's been lacquered by unseen hairdressers. His loose white shirt has started flapping round, the folds wafting backwards and forwards. Wafting, sorry. <laughs> I think probably wafting, isn't wafting, it? Wafting, wafting. What accent would it be if it was wafting? Well, it would be rather like Derek's accent, I Oh, suppose. yes. His northern tones. Wafting. Backwards and forwards, as he would say. Very 80s music video. It's particularly disconcerting, seeing as we're stood in the kitchen out of the elements. I glance at Bernard and I. We remain unruffled. Physically, anyway. Lots and lots of effort. Inhuman effort. Derek is still declaiming, shirt flapping. 
And you know what I got for all that work, Magenta? I got just enough power, just enough, he says, making a teeny tiny pinching movement with his fingers, just enough to give your miserable abilities a boost and permission to come down here for three measly days. He stares at me eyes wide and repeats, three measly effing days. You're only here for three days, I ask, feeling a little relieved. That's not long. It's Tuesday today. He'll be gone by the weekend. Phew! Well, three days in this form, Derek gives me a long, hard stare, spite transforming his attractive face. He actually bears his teeth, like some kind of irate terrier, and hisses, although I could stay for longer, if necessary. Yes, in a more abstract form. Theoretically, I could stay forever! Derek floats up and away from the chair, only stopping inches from my face. He continues scrutinizing my face for the reaction to his words. I wouldn't look like this, of course. I'd be a whisper, a shade. I'd enter a room and the temperature would drop. I'd nudge the odd vase off a shelf. I'd pop up when you least expected for a whispery chat. Barely even there, scratching at your consciousness with my fingernails. Just enough presence to create an unpleasant atmosphere. For you, your clients, your family, every single day, for the rest of your life. Whew, he's threatening me. And why would you do that? I say icily. Because I've missed you, he oils, pouting, coming even closer, frost in the air around him. I step back involuntarily. Ugh, he wasn't this horrid in life, was he? Has death made him even creepier? Death or fear? But what would a ghost be afraid of? We could see each other every day. Cut the crap, I bark! And Derek jumps, which is rather satisfying. Out with it! What do you want? There's steel in my voice. Bernard twitches next to me. He's been looking only at me during this exchange, obviously. He has no choice but to let me get on with it, because obviously the poor sod doesn't have a clue what's going on. But he can hear the aggression in my voice, and the air in the room has developed an unpleasant texture, so he knows Derek and I aren't just shooting the breeze. What was that like from your point of view, Bernard? Must have been very strange. It was very strange. I mean, you're talking to thin air, and but you, you, you can just sort of feel the, 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 the sort of sadness and, and confusion emanating off you. Are you sure that wasn't just you emanating? Maybe that it? was me emanating. Yes. Oh, poor Bernard. Well, How you've suffered. Well, yes. I'll give uh, you a massage after this. Oh, thank you. I need you to do something for me, Magenta. What? I shout. Derek and the rest of the kitchen wink in and out of sight as the light suddenly flickers. I shiver, giving me the willies this is. Stop that! I shout. Was that me? Maybe it was, Derek smiles, and then walks casually away from me towards the window. Okay, let's get on with this. I'll be brief. This thing I need you to do, it's not difficult. He hesitates, frowning. Well, it might be a little difficult to do in three days, but I'm sure you'll feel suitably motivated. What is it? Spit it out. All right then, Derek smiles. Let me tell you a little story. Or you could just tell me what the bloody task is. The story is going to explain the task. I'm not just being dramatic. Yeah, right. How's it going? Bernard whispers. Because there's a documentary on the bonobo monkey at seven. Oh, you couldn't have been that upset. Oh, well, I do love bonobo monkeys. Well, it is your happy place, isn't it? It is, yes. Both of you, shut up! I'm sorry, Bernard. This is, that's in the book. It's not not here. No. Do you want to know why I'm here? Or Oh, no, that's, Bern, uh, that's Derek talking, sorry. Let me change into my 
drastically different voice. Both of you, shut up! Do you want to know why I'm here or not? Derek explodes, and a coaster whirls off the kitchen table and across the room, bouncing hard off Bernard's belly. Bernard yelps in alarm. Give me your yelp, Bernard. And grabs hold of me. I make comforting shushing noises and stroke his back. It's okay, darling. Just be patient. The story. I'm going to tell you my story now, Derek shrieks petulantly. Good. Get on with it. I will. Go on, then. I will. Derek puts a fist to his mouth and clears his throat. He doesn't even have a physical throat. What a twat. He coughs up imaginary phlegm before gliding back to the window to look out at the stars. He begins. When I was alive, I had a client, Sheikh bin Fazir al-Fazir, with whom I conducted various business deals. Deals that were in addition to my role providing security to him and his family with Securicon. Anyway, because of our arrangement, in January 94, the Sheikh asked me to hold certain valuables for him. He traces a ghostly finger down the pane, which he can't even touch because he's a ghost. I wasn't to hold them for long, merely a couple of days until he could fly out and personally put them into a bank vault. It was a show of trust. I was honoured. The valuables were worth a great deal of money. They were very valuable, I cut in. Derek turns and glares. Extremely valuable, he says, although not necessarily that significant to the sheikh, considering his enormous moustache. I supply. I can't stand stories. If someone tells an anecdote at a party that goes on for longer than two minutes, I can feel my blood pressure rising. Enormous wealth, Derek hisses. He turns once more to the starry night, although his hair has gone rigid again. I'm obviously irritating him. <laughs> he resumes his tale. The Sheikh and I were to liaise in Geneva, where I would hand over the goods. He turns back to me for dramatic effect. But on the day we were to meet, he didn't turn up. I waited for hours. I investigated and discovered he had been killed. Murdered. By who? I never found out. Ooh, I say with as much sarcasm as can be injected. Derek pretends not to have heard. No one knew I had arranged to meet Sheikh Fazir al-Fazir that day, not his colleagues, nor his family. And so there I was, alone in Geneva with a stash of riches and no one to claim them. Well, what's a man to do? His eyes light up at the memory. I kept it, obviously. I just decided not to tell anyone. And so, in a single moment, the space between a thought and a logical decision, I became rich. Derek grins triumphantly at me. I put the valuables in a security box in one of Switzerland's most secure banks under my name. My mind turned to who I could sell them to. I had no contacts in Switzerland, so I decided to return home to England and line up interested parties immediately. That's what I did. I flew back and made preparations. Everything was surprisingly easy and fell into place. And then, the day before I was due to return to Switzerland to collect the goods, I had a day off to go on the skydive that you'd booked me for my birthday. Oh yes, that's right. I might not have mentioned it was I who booked the skydive. (laughs) There's a silence. Derek is now looking into the distance with an agitated countenance, clearly reliving everything he's been talking about, including the plummet, probably. I use this lull to give Bernard a reassuring squeeze. He squeezes back. Is everything okay? He murmurs shakily. He's been very good, silent and still, waiting for instruction. It's fine, sweetheart. Derek needs me to do something for him. He's about to tell me what. This is a prompt for Derek, as well as information for Bernard. Derek responds accordingly and snaps back to attention. I need you to get the stuff from the security box and sell it, he says. 
But why? What good is it to you now? And then something occurs to me. How much is this stuff worth? Derek looks at his fingers nonchalantly. Oh, upwards of five million. Five million? What, five million pounds? Yes. I gape, and it occurs to me. If Derek can't use it, then I could have it. Bloody hell. Hang on. Why would he want me to have it? Well, I think, perhaps Derek is making an incredibly kind gesture. Maybe out of love, he's worked hard on the other side for years and years, just so he can give me and my family an opportunity for total financial security. <laughs> What's the catch, I say, excitement fizzling out. You have to give the money to charity, Derek says. Are you trying to be funny, Derek? No. Within three days, I need you to retrieve the goods, sell them, and legally pledge the proceeds to charity. Otherwise, I'll haunt you for the rest of your life. There's another silence as I absorb this. Clear as mud. You suddenly feel very strongly about charity, Derek, I say. Have you one in mind? A specific illness, perhaps? A donkey sanctuary? Or is there a terminal skydiving charity? Maybe I can set one up. Derek's shirt whips around in cosmic winds. That's bloody lovely, that is, making jokes about skydiving when you're the one that killed me. Oh, so is that what this is? Punishment, you petty sod. You've gone to all this effort just because I gave you a bad birthday present. I didn't do it on purpose. Derek gives a bark of derisory laughter. No, of course not. He takes a deep, pointless breath and closes his eyes. I need the points, he says grimly. Points, I say, mystified. Yes, points. What is this bloody Sainsbury's? Well, I don't know about you, but this is all getting a bit too much. Derek opens his mouth to continue explaining, but I interrupt him with an upraised hand. I turn to Bernard and take his hands. Darling, I'm so sorry you're just standing there. I know this is confusing. What's going on, Magenta? He pleads. He's not upsetting you, I hope. He gazes into my eyes searchingly with his soft brown ones. Bernard's eyes are so comforting, even better than Dave's. I sometimes wonder if mine are a bit distant and cold, like a Scandinavian legal drama. The swirling blue and grey of a stormy winter sky, I remember Bernard saying back when we were courting. I responded with, you're lovely, you are, get your trousers off. Well, we can't both be poets, we'd combust with embarrassment. Derek just wants to chat, darling, but this might take a while and there's no point you just standing there. Why don't you go to bed? I continue to stroke his stubbling face with my fingers, smiling reassuringly. Oh yes, brilliant. Bernard practically bellows, face reddening. I'll just leave you here, shall I? You have fun with Derek and I'll go biddy buys at... He checks his watch. 6.30! Oh, it is a bit earlier than I thought. He's only your ex-husband after all. An ex-husband, I may say, who is creating one hell of an atmosphere in our home. While I normally enjoy it when Bernard shows some spirit, I can't be doing with this right now. There's enough drama without him joining in. Fine, don't go to bed. Go and watch the monkeys or have a bath or something. Just leave me to it, Bernard. To be frank, I want to sit down and hear what Derek has to say and I'm just not comfortable with Bernard in the same room. Every muscle in his body tensed in fight or flight mode. Is it odd, Bernard, having having me talk about you while you sat there? Well, it is rather, I yes. suppose. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bernard. At least I was standing up for myself, I suppose. Yes, yes, quite. I like it when you've got a bit of spirit in your belly. Go on, <laughs> shout something at me. Go on, get, uh, get me blood going. No uh, more, go on. Uh, you shouldn't do... A, actually, something did occur to me earlier. Which was, are, you, are we still role-playing? Go uh, on, say it to me angrily. Go on. Uh, uh, well, uh, how about this? Oh, yes, go uh, on. Oh. You said 
that... Ooh, Bernard, you're so angry. ...that Todd started arriving in 1992. Ooh. After, after Derek was already dead. Oh, your yes. face has gone all red. It's yes. very, very rotten. Do you agree with this statement? Well, the, yes, yes, yes. Yes, but then, but then so Derek said that he made the deal with the Sheik in 1994. Now, that would put him making that deal sometime after he was dead. Because he sent Todd to come and visit you. Oh yes, in ninety two, he died, and then he arranged for Todd to come. But 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 the deal with the sheik he was making was in nineteen ninety four. I don't like this role play, Bernard. I liked it when you shout something else at me. Tell me I'm naughty. You're a naughty, naughty girl, Magenta. Oh, that's more like it. Oh, very tasty. What what was the other thing you were saying? Well, essentially, there's a discrepancy in the plot. Shit. Oh, well, never mind. Maybe they won't notice. Let's get on with it. Right, where was I? Magenta, he says firmly. Oh, that's you. Say this. Magenta, I'm staying. Magenta, I'm staying. <laughs> Actually, turn this off for a moment and we'll... No, no, no. And, and we'll go off and have some fun and then, then we'll be back again. All right. Ooh. Back. We're back. Yes. <laughs> oh, there was... Feel very relaxed now. I think we both needed that, didn't we? Oh, dear? absolutely. Do you mind if I smoke while I read? Oh, not at all. Yes, yes. It's it's an electronic cigarette. It's not a real one. It's fine. I gave up real cigarettes, and I now I now only smoke electronic cigarettes after I make love to my electronic penis. <laughs> uh, and to you as well. Yes, yes, and you. I'm on about twenty a day. Can barely feel my legs. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get back to the book. Right. Fine, stay, I say I was snapped too. And I turn on my heel, silver four inches from an online drag queen store. I have big feet and a taste for the fabulous. And I march across the room to the kitchen table. I pull out the chair opposite Derek and plop myself down. Okay, good, Bernard declares awkwardly, crossing his arms and leaning back on the kitchen unit. You just tell me when Derek is gone. That's a good point, actually. When's he going? Are you staying for three days straight, I asked Derek, as in day and night? Derek shakes his head. No, I need to preserve my strength. I'll disappear when it's not necessary to be here. Thank God for that. So, what were you saying about points? Oh, so I'm allowed to speak again. I give him the BDI. You don't need to know the details, he says. How convenient. I'm starting to think there's a confidentiality agreement amongst the dead. But see it as credit, and in your heavenly account, he says. The normal way to get a healthy watch is to perform good deeds while you're alive. There's a pause while I take this in. I'm rather disappointed, to be honest. So there really is a heaven and earth action and reward system. How simplistic, how empty. I don't understand, I say flatly. You're not alive. Haven't you already got all the credit you'll ever have? Derek steeples his fingers. Yes, but also no. There's a loophole. Your remaining earthly goods can be transformed into good deeds even when you've passed. But you only get the credit for that if you've somehow already engineered it. So let's say you left 50 grand in your will to the Red Cross and the money takes several months to process. Even though you've been dead for a while, as soon as someone gets clean drinking water as a direct result of your generosity, you get rewarded on the other side. Sounds like a bloody video game. What if, I say, as soon as you're dead, the Red Cross gets taken over by a lunatic who uses your 50 grand to buy puppies to wear as coats? 
Derek's not impressed. Okay, okay, maybe it's not about clean drinking water, he says impatiently. It's about the original intention. If your original intention was pure, it doesn't matter if Cruella de Vil herself hijacks your good deed. But I thought the road to hell was paved with good intentions, I crow triumphantly. Although, to be honest, I'm a bit lost. And it sounds like Derek doesn't really know what he's talking about either. Look, I'm not going to argue theology with you. You won't get it. There's no point having these conversations with the living. You only twist it until it makes no sense at all. You can't be trusted with divine knowledge. I'm too curious not to press on. But what happens with the credit? What reward do you get? Come on, Derek, you can tell me that. Derek tosses his head dismissively in size, like a Californian teenager in a soap. That depends on a huge basket of variables. I couldn't possibly sketch out the current other side climate for you. It'd take too long. Suffice to say, with the sort of points I'd get from handing Sheikh Fazir Alphazir's valuables over to charity, I'd have a few more options. I digest this, and then something occurs to me. Hang on. What about your intention to ruin my life by haunting me if I don't do what you want? I'd say that'd knock a few points off. Won't that negate you giving it all to charity? Then it'll all have been for nothing. Just shut up, Magenta. You're, you've oversimplified things to a point where it's meaningless. You just have to trust me. We glare tightly at each other, poker-faced. I hear the click of a switch and flick my eyes to where Bernard has sneakily shuffled. He's surreptitiously put the kettle on. Good lad. I look back at Derek. Let's get on with it then. What do you want me to do first? Derek smiles. First, you gather some proof of ID, my death certificate, and my will. And tomorrow... Hot drink, cup of tea, Bernard stage whispers to me. Tomorrow we fly, Derek exclaims. Or Horlicks bit late for caffeine. To Switzerland, Derek concludes dramatically, arching a single eyebrow. I rub my tired eyes with a fist and sink into the chair. Yeah, I say to both of my husbands, go on then. And that, I think, is my cue to stop, because the chapter has stopped, and we're doing a chapter, an episode. That was a long one, wasn't it? It bloody was! I'm exhausted. A lot to take in as well for the for the listeners. Ugh, I feel quite unwell that went on so long. All right, my dear. How long was that? Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Would you like me to put the kettle on again? Oh, God, yes, please. Would you, would you no like... No one should have to work this hard. Horlicks or, or, or tea or... Uh, oh, yes, that gives me an idea for a new cocktail. Oh, yes? Oh, all right, let's go make that. Let's do that. Uh, and you will listen to me next time. Bye-bye. Madame Magenta was created and performed by Lindsay Sharman, with Lawrence Owen as Bernard. Music and sound design by Lawrence Owen. Artwork was by Claire Lafar. You can follow Madame Magenta on Twitter at Madame Magenta UK. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can support it by going to coffee.com forward slash longcatmedia. That's ko-fi.com forward slash longcatmedia. For more information about this podcast, as well as our flagship drama series, Mockery Manor, please visit longcatmedia.com. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. 
Hello, hello, I'm Malik. I'm Jamie. And this is World Gone Wrong, where we discuss the unprecedented times we're living through. Can your manager still schedule you for night shifts after that werewolf bit you? My ex-boyfriend was replaced by an alien body snatcher, but I think I like him better now. Who is this dude showing up in everyone's old pictures? My friend says the sewer alligators are reading maps now. When did the kudzu start making that humming sound? We are just your normal millennial roommates processing our feelings about a chaotic world in front of some microphones. World Gone Wrong, a new fiction podcast from Audacious Machine Creative, creators of Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Learn more at audaciousmachinecreative.com. Find World Gone Wrong in all the regular places you find podcasts. I love you so much. I mean, you could like up the energy a little you bit. You could like, up the energy. I actually don't take notes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I'm just kidding. You sounded great. So did you. <laughs>